And I wanted to finish the message tonight, and uh, Lord willing, I plan to preach from 2 Timothy 2 on next Sunday morning. Uh, as I studied this past week, uh, both texts, I thought the text from 2 Timothy dealing with the true servant of the Lord would be a fitting message for that service, and so I'm going to kind of change tonight. Now, if that messes up your world and you're so confused now that, uh, you know, it'll, it'll all work out, but I wanted to, want us to go back tonight to Matthew chapter number 13. This morning in the first part of this message, we looked at Jesus' communication of the parable in verse 3 through 8, and then we looked at his interpretation of the parable uh, in verse 19 through 23. We only got to look at one of the different soils, and so tonight, in the time we have, I want us to look at these other, uh, other three types of soil tonight on which the, uh, the sower is sowing the seed. If you will follow with me again in Matthew 13, we'll begin reading in verse number 3 through verse number 9, and then pick up again in verse number 18. Matthew 13, 3, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's our Lord's communication of the parable. Now look at verse 18 at our Lord's interpretation of the parable. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When any one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and Anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Our Lord's communication of this first parable, the sower and the seed, and then our Lord's interpretation or our Lord's explanation of this parable. Of course, the seed, as we mentioned this morning, represents the gospel, the message, the Word of God. It represents, ultimately, Jesus Christ. He is God incarnate. He is the Messiah. He come to atone for sin. It is the seed of the Word. It is life that is in Jesus Christ. The sower in the parable primarily is Christ Himself. He's the one that came and 
began to preach he, after John Baptist had been in prison and would later uh, be executed, Jesus would continue to sow seed. And then that passed on down to His disciples, to the apostles, and to all of us who know the truth of the Word of God and are able to tell the world about God's saving grace. Jesus said in verse 37, Behold, a sower went forth to, to sow there in verse 3, and then in verse 37 we're clearly told that He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. It is Jesus. He is the one that is doing the sowing. Jesus' message is that while He is primarily the sower, uh, you and I and generations to come will continue as I am doing tonight and you do every day when you witness and share the truth about God's saving grace. Then we come to the subject of the soul, which is mentioned in the communication and the interpretation or the explanation. And it represents the different degrees of the heart of man, the different conditions in which the word, the seed, is received or either rejected. And in these passages, the soil is described in many different ways. And that's what we begin to look at this morning. Our hearts are, is that which responds to the Word of God. And that's the great truth of this parable. And, and as I said this morning, if you miss that truth, then you've missed the truth that Christ is pressing home. I'll say this again, Lord willing, in a few moments, but I want to say it while it's on my mind. First of all, tonight, if you look at these different soils and you just look at them and you automatically come to the conclusion that your heart is good soil and other people is the rocky and thorny and wayside soil, then you're missing the message here. We all, we all started out uh, just like the wayside soil, just like the, uh, the stony soil, and then the, uh, the thorns that grew. We all started out like that. And if there is any good ground upon which your heart received the Word of God, then we attribute that to God Himself and to His grace. And Lord willing, we'll get there in a few moments. Just quickly, just to recap the wayside soil mentioned in verse 4 through verse number 8, uh, the wayside soil mentioned there in verse 4, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And then again Jesus interprets in verse number 19, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. Then Jesus says, This is he which received seed by the wayside. And this heart or this soil represents the unresponsive heart to the Word of God. How the heart is hardened like a pavement or a piece of hard-pressed clay that is almost as hard as a rock. And Jesus is speaking about those whose heart has become so packed and so, uh, so hardened for whatever reason that when the seed lays upon it, there's no penetration of that seed. There's no growth, no life, no reproduction and therefore no fruit, either temporary or lasting. He's talking here about a person who has refused to hear the Word of God. The Word is clearly taught. The Word is clearly preached. The Word is clearly presented in a one-on-one -on -one presentation of the gospel or of the message of the cross, and, and men refuse to hear it. It's like seed that's on wayside soil, on a place that where a path has been. And it's hardened, and it just lays there, waiting to be devoured. No response from it. That's what we looked at this morning. 
Now this evening, let's go to the second type of soil in verse number 5. He said, Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. Then listen to our Lord's interpretation of that, of that type of soil in verse 20. But he that receiveth the seed in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and with joy receiveth it. And so if the verse stopped there, you would think, hey, this man's good to go. He was glad to hear them as children of God, but then they fall away. The people who believe the hype, the people who believe the entertaining preacher, the people who believe their emotion over their mind and their heart, the people who believe what someone else told them, the people who believe that what they feel is absolutely authentic in every situation of life. These are those who heard the word on stony soil, and it did not do the job. It's not true justifying faith. Thank God, true justifying faith, a man stays with God and God with him. So what about all the people that you and I know tonight who believe for a while, and now they have no interest in Christ? I still know enough about my home church and still know enough about the people that I was raised with. I still remember young people and old people who made their public professions of faith in my life at my home church. And I still know them. They're living. And it's been decades, decades since they have even been to the church or even opened a copy of God's Word. But I promise you this, when they die, the church will celebrate, they will celebrate that date that's in the front of their Bible, although there's never been a life to match it, they will with joy celebrate that date. Jesus said that's stony soil, and it will not produce. What about all these people that have believed for a while, and now they have no interest in Christ or His Word? They have no interest in His church. They have no interest in doing His will. Well, Jesus said in our text in verse 21 in Matthew 13, he is offended. He is offended is what Jesus said. That means when what he professes hits real life, he stumbles. He can't live it. He's gone. He's out of the picture because the word never got deep enough. There was no root there. There was no change of life. There's a third soil mentioned in our text, and it is that not only of the wayside and the stony soil, but he mentions the thorny ground the thorny ground verse 7 and some fell among thorns some of the seed that the sower was spreading out fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and they choked them in verse 7 Jesus interpreted it in verse 22 he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and then he mentions two things that contribute to the choking of that seed he said, the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So you have the wayside soil where the seed lays and the fowls come and pick it up. You have the stony soil, which men rejoice to hear it. They look like they're glad to get it, but it only goes down just a little, and there's not enough there to take root, and they may believe for a while. They may actually rejoice for a while, and others rejoice with them. They seem to have got it, and yet then when life hits them, they're nowhere to be found. And then we come to this thorny soil. 
those who received this seed was a seed sown among the thorns. And the thorns choke it. They just took the life out of it. And the result of that is that it's unfruitful. That word choke there means to suffocate. It means to actually suck the life right out of it. The seed is choked off from what it needs. Too many thorns, too many forces, too much, too much surrounding that seed, too many things all around that seed for the seed to take root and to bring forth life. You know from just being a common gardener or farmer, the reason they keep weeds out of the crops is because the weeds suck the life out of the soil. And if you have a stalk of corn, and around that stalk of corn is all types of weeds, you know, your corn don't get the nutrients because the very weed is sucking the life right out of the soil. Jesus said, sometimes when the seed of God is sown, it lands on thorny soil that simply just becomes aggressive and chokes out the very seed. Why? He said two things in the verse 22. First of all, he said it, they're choked out by the cares of this world. That word care means the distractions of this world. Now, distractions are not always in and of themselves a sin, but they can become a sin. And in this case, it does detriment to the Word of God. When the Word of God is sown or when you read the Word or the Word is shared with you and you, and you see the Word of God, if your heart is distracted by the cares of this world, it will choke that productivity and that possibility of the Word of God. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Worries, anxiousness of what we eat, what we wear, where we live. Has not our Lord done spoke about that in the Sermon on the Mount? We, we think we don't have enough to live on and, and, and will we have enough to, to die with? And, and all of these things, they get to pressing us in. We have a lot of that going on in the world today and we need to be careful about that. A farmer, he may be a professed atheist, but a farmer knows that he needs God in order to survive. I watch a farmer, a guy out in Alabama. I watch him on YouTube. And the reason I do, he reminds me of a, of a guy I know. And he's got that Alabama slang. I just love to listen to him talk. And they farm thousands and thousands and thousands of acres. They, they farm out there. I watched him last week, cotton, corn season, of course, soybean season. And he's wanting to get in one patch, one, one, acre, one area where they got several hundred acres in order to, to plant his cotton or his soybean. And then he's got over here, about eight or ten miles away, he's got corn that has just broke through the dry ground and needs rain. And so he's saying, we need rain over here, but I need this to stay dry. And you guessed it, it rained over here where he couldn't plant and stayed dry over where he had planted. Farmers know they need God in order to survive. The worries of this life, we need to listen to the Word of God and not let the Word of God choke out. But primarily our Lord is speaking here about those who are hearing the message of the kingdom and the message of the gospel, and they are so wrapped up in the distractions of life that it literally chokes it out. They can't get beyond that. And then he says, secondly, the deceitfulness of riches. Wealth is deceitful. It'll trick you away from the true path of following Jesus Christ. A businessman wakes up and business is all that's on his mind. He never thinks about the kingdom of God. It's all about what he has and what he does not have. Now, I want to be careful here, especially in a day of laziness 
And in a day of when people care nothing except letting other people keep them up in life, this is not what our Lord is preaching against or saying here. He is saying that this man, this type soul, when the Word of God is presented, when eternal life is offered, they are so interested in this life that they can't pay attention to that life. Are we not living there tonight? Do you not have people in your own family? Do you not know people tonight? Maybe this is true in your own life where the only thing that dominates your thinking is your own kingdom and your own world and not about the kingdom of God. If so, Jesus tells us very clearly how this is going to turn out. He says in verse 22, when you live like that, it becomes unfruitful. And unfruitful is probably the key word in all of this parable. It means barren. It means not yielding. These first three soils, these first three hearts are unproductive. They're unfruitful. They never bear anything. You look at one and you're watching birds eat it off the ground. You look at the second one and you're all excited because people are moving toward Christ. They're making public professions of faith. Evangelists and pastors are counting the numbers and running them through the baptistries and sending in their record and rejoicing. And then in about six or eight months they have another meeting and about a dozen of them that came a year ago are back again for a second profession or a third profession. And there's nothing there. There's no depth there. And then there's this thorny soil where you put the word out there and it looks like the word's going to grow and flourish and then people just drop by the wayside because this present world has just choked the life out of them and their word from God can't produce. Well, thank God the Lord ended this parable on an encouraging note. He said in verse number 8, But other fell into good ground. And brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. In verse 23, he explains it. But he that receives seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word. And then notice, and understandeth it, which also bear fruit and bringeth forth some in hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. There is good soil in this parable. Now of all the soils that I mentioned this morning and tonight, this could be the most dangerous. Why? Because when we read this, we're just sinners enough that we look at that word good and we want to think that some of us was good enough to understand the gospel and we want to think that we were smart enough to figure this out on our own. I promise you on the authority of God's word, that is not what our Lord is talking about here when he talks about good soil. Let me remind you, your heart was wayside soil. Your heart before the intervention of God was this soil, this thorny, this wayside, this stony heart. There was nothing there that the seed would have ever penetrated until God opened your heart, till God done a work in your heart. This seed would have done nothing. If you have good soil in your heart tonight, thank God He's the one done it. There's nothing good about man. Don't ever think you or anybody else was good enough are smart enough to hear the Word of God and obey it on your own and figure it out on your own. Paul told the Ephesians, listen to Ephesians 4.17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. 
I battle this every week with some preacher who wants to keep preaching this stuff are suggesting to me that every man's got this little bit of light in him. He's got this little bit of spark of divinity in him. That's Norman Vincent Peale theology. You can believe that stuff all you want, but Paul just said, we had a vanity of mind, it was vain, our understanding was darkened, and we were alienated from the life of God. That doesn't mean that a lost man can't learn how to dribble a ball and make a million dollars a day. It doesn't mean that a lost man can't invent an internet or, or invent some technology and be a billionaire. What the Bible said was he had his understanding darkened and he was alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that was in him because of the blindness of the heart. Our heart was blind. We were alienated from God and had not God dealt with our heart, we would have never received the word of God and we'd have never been saved. As I said before, if you think it's of you, go home tonight patting yourself on the back all the way. But if you know it's of God tonight, go home with your hands lifted and say, thank you, God, for all of those hearts are superficial and all of those hearts get choked out eventually by the world and well. And does not the attendance in our churches and does not the track record of faithfulness among professing Christians, does it not shout an amen to everything Jesus is saying right here in this text? It does. It does. But to the good soul, God gives us grace to hear and to understand. Now the million dollar question is, I don't know if you're thinking about it or not, but hopefully you have. I said this morning and again just now, I said it again. That all of us started out in this world as dead sinners with either a wayside heart, a stony heart, or a thorny heart. So how did we get to this good soil? How did we get to that place? Well, here's the answer to that question. 1 John 5, 20. John said, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So there's the million dollar question. If I started out as wayside soil, if I started out as stony soil, if I started out with soil that had thorns all over that choked the Word out every time I heard it, then preacher, how did I get to the good soil where there was a time in my life when the Word was preached or I read the Word and that Word took root and brought forth eternal life. How did I get there? How did I come to that point? It was the amazing grace of Almighty God. We know, He said, the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding. We have trouble. We have trouble understanding how a man can be smart enough to fly a Boeing 747 from Charlotte to Australia to Canada, whatever, and never miss, and land per second. We, have, we right on the spot. You remember? You remember one of the first uh, space shuttles that come back? I don't know if you remember that or not. This is the group that should. You, you remember one of the first ones come back when that thing landed? He rolled that thing. Didn't even have any engines on it. I mean, he just come in on gravity, came in and landed that thing and rolled right up to the very yellow spot and stopped it had circled the earth. And, all the, and I'm thinking, how do you do that? 
We have trouble understanding, figuring out how men can do that, and yet they cannot get this. Because this is a gift of God's grace, and no man gets it on his own. Now there's a man that I've read about. I've never met him personally, but I've read about him. If he was here tonight, he probably would have got up and walked up here, put his arm around me and said, you tell him, preacher, that's exactly right. His name was Nicodemus. For he didn't understand either. How can a man, how can this be? Thank God the divine intervention of God. So may any of us who have ever strutted thinking, thank God I was raised right. Thank God I had this Bible. Thank God I had all of this stuff. And I got to the point where I figured all of this out. And I've lived right enough. I'm not like them. Thank God I know what my Bible says. If you've ever strutted theologically like that, humble yourself tonight under the mighty hand of God and understand were it not for the intervention of God, your soul would still be like wayside, stony, and it would be choked with everything in this world. Thank God for the good soul that God has given us to hear His Word. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that has given us understanding. Let me read these verses and we'll close. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, 7-9. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Listen. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. And then He told the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2.11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. This is not mine in your work. This good soul is not mine in your work. This is the work of God. Luke describes this good soul in Luke 8.15 like this. He says, But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Thank God for the good soul. And let me remind you again before I pray, you were not born with good soul. You were not born with a good heart. It was the grace of Almighty God that allowed you and I to hear and to understand this glorious message. Preacher, what application can I take from this tonight? Well, first, as I said this morning, all of us need to ask ourselves and pray and say, Lord, what type of soul is my heart tonight? What, what am I doing with your word when I hear it preached, taught, when I'm reading it? What am I doing with it? And then secondly, ask ourselves, what, what interest do I have in God's word? And thirdly, if I have the right reception and response to God's word, Am I truly thankful for the good soul that God has given me? And we ought to rejoice tonight that God has given us. I, I would, I'm just sinner enough. I'm just sinful enough that I'd love to stand up here and think that I figured this out. 
because I was in church all my life. Or I figured it out because I was living better than the guy down the street. But truth won't let me do that. When I understand how I know what I know and how I've come to be one of His, I have to bow and say, Thank you, Lord, for your grace that allowed me to hear and allowed me to understand. One final word. When you're preaching, when you're teaching, when you're presenting the gospel to your family, to your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, it's not your job to determine the type of soil. It's your job to sow the seed and let God take care of the soil. I, my prayer would be, God, may this seed find good ground for your honor and for your glory. Father, I want to thank you for this time together tonight in the Word of God. Thank you for the Word that's been taught to our children and young people. Thank you, Lord, for good ground tonight. Thank you for good soil that has great productivity, differing degrees of fruit that comes out according to your plan and purpose. Thank you, Father. Help us never to be prideful, but always be humble, Lord, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, to know, Father, that were it not for your grace, we would know nothing. The seed we may have we may have felt something and rejoiced. We may have felt something and professed. But, Lord, unless you give us understanding, we would have never known you like you said to us through the Apostle John. So thank you tonight that we know the Son of God. We know who you are because you have given us understanding. I pray, Lord, you'd help us this week. Help us to live for you, to serve you. Help all the needs in the church family. And keep our hearts close to you. And bind us together in unity and love. And may we be witnesses for you throughout this week. And we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.